Hello, everyone, and welcome to All Shall Be Well. I'm Anne Boyd, host of All Shall Be Well, a podcast by InterVarsity's Women in the Academy and Professions. We're here to support women in their God-given callings into the university and beyond. So if you're a graduate student or a faculty member, an administrator or a student in professional school, a scholar in between jobs, or simply a person who supports women in the academic world, then this podcast is for you. Let me invite you into a conversation with Alice Freiling, spiritual director and author of Aging Faithfully, The Holy Invitation of Growing Older. Alice is not only a prolific author and gifted teacher, she also happens to be truly one of my favorite people on earth. I met Alice in 1998 when I started seeing her for spiritual direction, something that we continued for over two decades until Alice moved to Colorado. I remember noticing some of the early inclinations that Alice had toward writing a book on the spirituality of aging, and so I was thrilled to learn that the book was getting published, and then even more thrilled to talk with Alice about so many of these rich ideas, most of which are widely applicable for anyone seeking to live a faithful life, even if you're not quite yet in your senior years. So let me tell you a little bit more about her. Alice Freiling is an author and a spiritual director, as well as an experienced teacher of the Enneagram. She loves being a companion to others on the spiritual journey through her practice of spiritual direction and through her writing. Alice is married to Bob, and together they have two daughters, two grandsons, and two granddaughters. And if you're wondering if she is old enough to write a book on aging, she will tell you in this interview. This conversation felt a lot more like sitting around the fire with an old friend than hosting a podcast interview. In fact, you'll hear that Alice and I keep talking about the questions that I have for her, but I never really get a chance to formally ask them because they just come up naturally. I think you'll hear that we had a lot of fun together. So let's dive right in. We are so glad you're here with us. This feels like such a different conversation for me because I know you and (laughs) it feels really good to talk with you. So, well, let's start by talking about why you wrote this book, Aging Faithfully. Um, I remember sitting in your living room years ago and even, you know, 10 years ago, I think you were reading books Mm -hmm. about aging and you've been thinking about this for a long time. And I think, um, I've heard from you that you wanted to explore what it means to age in a way that is both accepting of the reality, not not trying to to cover up things that are really happening in your body or in your in your mind, but wanting to um, do that in a way that honored God and where you were connected to yourself and that felt. That, that resonated with who you are. So can you tell me more about your process? I can't believe you picked all of that up 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was all really interesting to watch. <laughs> so, but it was always, I mean, that's one of the things I love about you. You're, you're so eager about growing and, and I love that. So um, 
Yeah, it's probably longer than 10 years ago, because let me just say up front, I'm 77. So um, that's wonderful. I, I, I have that on my resume for writing this book. Um, but I think maybe in my late 50s, um, I, I thought, okay, when I turn 60, that's a milestone. I mean, I think there are all these milestones and then they don't turn out to be exactly what I think they are. But mm -hmm. I anticipated turning 60 and I thought, so when I'm 60, I'll be old and I need to figure out how to respond to this. Mm -hmm. um, I had a, an assumption, which I still think is true, that we wouldn't grow old if this weren't part of God's plan. I mean, God is our creator, and he creates human beings for a lifespan and animals and trees and flowers. So I thought, this is part of God's plan, and I want to understand more, if I can, what that plan is. And so I started looking for books. I mean, I looked in the library, I looked on Amazon, I borrowed books, and I found some good books. I liked a lot of the memoirs, and I gleaned some good things. The how-to books were a little more about how to survive retirement, mm -hmm. what kind of, be sure to get a good financial planner, figure out where you're going to live when you can't take care of yourself. And I mean, those things are all important. And I, you know, I read some of those books, but it wasn't getting at the, the really heartfelt issues for me. Mm. So then after we moved from Chicago to Colorado, I was still thinking about this and there was one morning when I just I don't know if I verbalized it like this but my sense was god I need help I need a book and I had this sense of everything you need to know is already inside of you wow. just write the book <gasps> wow <laughs> so and it is true that writing the book for me is um one of the most life-giving things I've ever done. It was really different for me because other books I've written have been looking back and sort of pontificating on everything I've learned. But this one, I'm right in the middle of it. And so I had to figure out now, what have I learned so far and how do I know that's true? And what do I think about that? And then I'd be writing it and I'd have such a sense of, sometimes I think, wow, that's a good point. I never thought of that before. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I think, I don't know. You don't really believe that. You gotta, you gotta go around that one again. Mm -hmm. So I learned, it felt like a very deeply spiritual experience. And that's really where I went with the book. I mean, the book is deeply spiritual. And for someone who's not looking for that, it's probably not going to make a lot of sense, but it was very helpful to me. Um, and I was so happy you liked it. I love reading your books and then I just hear hear your voice um, telling the stories and describing the practices. And then it was um, my experience of reading it was, you know, I would I would be learning some new information or you would be telling a new anecdote. And then all of a sudden there would be something that you would lead into, like, you know, an explanation of the examine or breath prayer. And I was like, oh, it's, it was like meeting an old friend in, the, in a new context. And it was, I really, really liked it. Well, that was partly what was fun for me about meeting with you because, um, well, you always encourage me with my stories, which isn't necessarily a spiritual direction thing you're supposed to do, but you wanted it. So I did it. And I, that was very helpful. But then after we'd been visiting for a while, there were times 
Well, I would often ask you, so what do you sense are the whispers of the Holy Spirit in your life? Mm -hmm. And the things you would say would be so different from what I thought I had said, but it was you. And I kind of, I hope that happens with the book that people read it and think, wow, I never thought about that before. And maybe it wouldn't even be something that I said in the book, but if, if they learn something about themselves and about God, that's what I want. Yeah. Well, and I do think that there, there are a lot of pieces of the book that apply to my life right now, even though, you know, I'm 46, I'm not quite, quite at the um, target age range for this book yet, but um, you know, when you were talking and we'll maybe get into this a little bit later about liminal space, about the space in between, um, you know, one stage and another stage, I feel like I'm in the middle of that right now um, because my kids are teenagers. They are kind of just going off to school after having years of homeschooling and, you know, and I'm, I'm in a new, I'm kind of in a, in a funny space where I'm trying to figure out what does my life look like right now? And what are my goals going to be? And how do, how do I want to, you know, build in routines that are going to be sustainable long-term and that will bear fruit. And so, you know, the things, a lot of the things that you mention um, just resonated in the way that the Holy Spirit does, you know, even though you weren't writing this for a 46 year old necessarily. Well, I didn't know that I was, but hearing your response and also talking to other people who are, you know, maybe 50 or something. Mm -hmm. um, I think maybe I was writing it for you too. And mm -hmm. I didn't know that. Um, and it is liminal space. Um, we had a pastor years ago in one of our churches, he was a pastor to the seniors in the congregation. And I remember he said, you know, you just become more of what you are. And oh. I thought about that. And as I wrote the book, I've thought, I didn't know I was learning this when I was in my 40s, but now it's bearing fruit in my life. Mm -hmm. So I think you're coming into it at a time where you can pay attention to things that might not be front and center in your life, but will be someday. Yeah. So you're not too early and you're not too late to start That's, thinking I about these it. things. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think it's why I always liked hearing your stories too, because I'm always looking for models of people living their life, you know, a few years ahead of me so that I can so I can kind of try that on and say, oh, is that the kind of thing that I would do? And, and then watching your own life and experiencing the fruit that comes from it. You know, I knew that whether the particular way that you did something suited me or not, you had a, a core, you have a core of um, connectedness with Jesus and um, and with yourself and love for your, your family and for God's work that he has for you in the world that, you know, I want all those things. And so hearing, hearing your stories, both in this book and in our conversations in years past, it's, I've always heard God's voice through those too. Well, okay. So I'll tell you a story that Yay. Might, <laughs> might launch us into this whole discussion of what it's like to be older this season of life. Um, mm -hmm. This is something that you picked up on. I know that um, 
maybe three or four years ago, I honestly felt the nudging of the Holy Spirit to start practicing the discipline of irresponsibility. I love this so much. (laughs) Tell us about this. (laughs) It it started because we moved from Chicago to Colorado and I'm a grandma and my, my grandma strings are very strong. My connection with my daughter is very strong. And so now we're in Colorado and I'm thinking, okay, now at that time, who am I now that I am 75? Who am I now that I live in Colorado? And by the way, what in the world do I do with all the requests from my family that I can or cannot meet? The ones that I could meet, that was fine. I love, I love doing that. I love being a grandma. I love helping the family. Um, but sometimes somebody would ask me to do something like the day before yesterday, that I was just too tired to do. Or I I have a life of my own. And so occasionally there are things that I just, I'm not doing anything else today. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just thought, you know, you've been so responsible all your life. And I have been, that's been, that, that would be a subtitle of my life. I mean, I'm responsible for myself. I'm responsible for my husband, for my family. I mean, for the whole world, for the church, for sure. And I just thought God was saying, now's the time to practice the discipline of irresponsibility. And for me, that means if I'm too tired to do whatever the request is, rather than stewing about it and feeling guilty or worse yet, my my default position would be to do it anyway. I lie down on the sofa. I have to be vertical, um, no horizontal. Horizontal. <laughs> I've never been good with that. <laughs> so I have to be horizontal. So I lie down on the sofa, and in truth, I just I read a novel, mm. and the novel gets me out of myself. And sometimes after half an hour, an hour, I have more energy. But if I don't, then I assume it's not a job or a a responsibility that God has given me. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's real clear that he gives us the gifts we have. So practicing the discipline of irresponsibility to me is exercising faith in God. Mm-hmm. And for the two or three years I've done that, I don't think anybody's died or starved or right. had any problems that I could have solved anyway. So it's working and it's helping me well, I think age faithfully, actually. Mm-hmm. I think that's part of it. Because that is something that happens as we age, for sure. Less energy, less opportunity, um, more doctor appointments. Right. Well, and I think there is, um, you know, I'm at an age where I'm very responsible. I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm responsible for um, how the, my the, the family is in my own little nuclear family, making sure that people are fed, making sure that the girls get off to school, you know, with all of their items and, you know, making sure that John has a lunch that he can take if he needs to. And then um, on the other side, my, I have, you know, my mother is, she lives a mile down the road at an assisted living center. And I check in with her. And so I'm watching out for her and taking her to doctor's appointments. It's just that there's, there are a lot of things. There are a lot of, there are a lot of moving pieces. Um, And, you know, John's parents live not too far either. They live just 20 minutes away and I check in with them and I'm so glad. And I feel so grateful 
to have all these relationships, but I don't sit down. I really don't do a lot of sitting down. And I've been thinking about your discipline of irresponsibility. And right now, as far as I've gotten is sometimes when I'm working on something that is not super demanding, I will sit, I'll take my laptop and sit on a couch and kind of recline <laughs> instead of sitting at my desk or sometimes, <laughs> exactly. or sometimes I'll listen to a novel and, <laughs> you know, while I'm cooking, which is just fun. Um, and that's part of the reason why I read novels now, because if I lie down on the sofa, just to lie down on the sofa, my mind doesn't lie down at the same time. Right. <laughs> so um, I think, well, what you said prompted two things for me. One is that you are at a season of life when responsibility is really important. I mean, I am too, but it's a different sure. form of responsibility. Um, so don't beat yourself up for, mm -hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm not really sure that the discipline of, of irresponsibility is something maybe that applies to younger people. For me, mm -hmm. looking back on my own life, the difference was that I was compulsively responsible and mm -hmm. overly responsible. So, you know, different seasons of life um, include different kinds of responsibility. And actually, this kind of moves into another thing that you brought up about the book, the difference between productivity and fruitfulness. Yeah. Um, that in our early life, we better be productive. I mean, you know, we have jobs, we have most of you know, families one way or another, um, church responsibilities, and those are, those are years of productivity. But what I've been thinking of as I've moved into these senior years is the difference between productivity and fruitfulness. Um, and fruitfulness, in a summary from Galatians, is mm -hmm. bearing the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and so forth. But where it comes from in us is really quite different, that when we're productive, it has to do with our resumes, um, with our to-do lists every day, mm -hmm. with the responsibilities that we have to our family, and those are all really important. But then as we get older, well, first of all, we have less energy to do those things, but we also um, have less opportunity. Um, most people are doing less either in terms of a job or church responsibilities um, and other people are doing things that we used to be able to do that's a little insulting um, right. <laughs> <laughs> and other people are out having fun that's something that really annoys me because there are times when people are having fun and I just think that sounds like fun but I just don't have enough energy to do it. I mm -hmm. couldn't go to the pumpkin patch the other day even mm -hmm. though I thought that'd probably be fun but I couldn't go right um so it means a lot to me that I'm in a season of life when fruitfulness may be more important than productivity. Um, and, the, and it's not, the fruitful, not that the fruits of the spirit are important when you're younger, because of course they are. Mm -hmm. But now for me, for instance, it's more important for me to love my family and love someone else and maybe just... Um, sort of ways that I, I would look down upon. Like, like Bob is, um, Bob does a lot of the carpooling, taking our granddaughter back and forth to school. Mm -hmm. And that's not quite up there with being publisher of IVP in terms of 
what impresses people. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> What'd you do today? Oh, I picked up my granddaughter at school. But if that is loving, then that is being Christ-like. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times loving for me now is also just listening. It always has been. That's always been important to me. But I mean, I can sit and talk to my granddaughter about um, her nails. She loves colored nails. So <laughs> we discuss different colors of nail polish. <laughs> and I love being able to do that. Um, I love being able to be peaceful um, sometimes when there's sort of chaos around me. I think that's something that older people offer younger people. Mm-hmm. And those are all fruits of the spirit rather than just being productive. So it's not, it's not that one is right and one is wrong. It's more what I focus on. Sure. Well, and I think that, um, I mean, talking about compulsive productivity, you know, I can see myself sometimes leaning that way too. And I think a lot of listeners to this podcast do as well. I mean, it's, you know, women who are in graduate school or who are faculty or in professional school and, you know, you have to, um, there's a certain amount of drive you need to get a lot of these things done. But I, I feel like it's really hard to find that sweet spot and maybe it's just constant adjustments, um, but of being able to be responsible in the ways that God has for us right now at whatever time we are. And also allowing for time to let the fruits emerge in the midst of that, you know? And I mean, for me, sometimes that means that I'm really um, strict about when we get started with our bedtime routine so that I have time at the end when the lights are out and I'm saying good night. And then one of my daughters has something that has been weighing on them that they want to say, you know, that, that I'm, I'm able to be present and not saying, oh my goodness, go to sleep. I have to, I just have right. to get to bed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got it. You say, and I know the answer to that. And now let's move on. <laughs> right. Right. But those moments, you know, they, they're so when they, when they erupt, you know, those, those moments of fruitfulness, they, I guess they bloom, right. And you want to be ready for them and you want to have enough space for that. But I guess right now, sometimes because of all the moving pieces of life, it means being a little strict on one end. Well, this is, I used to say this when we met for spiritual direction and it's something a spiritual director shouldn't say. They say, oh, I know the answer to that. (laughs) Tell us the answer. (laughs) I mean, I, yeah, I, I do. I, I think, and I think I'm coming to appreciate this more and more as I get older. Mm-hmm. It's from Psalm 46. It's be still. Mm. And I, I don't even want to put minutes on it, but to be clear about what I'm saying, I'm talking about being still for two, three, four, five minutes. Mm. Um, and it might be in the morning before the day starts, if you're not busy getting lunch for your girls, or it might be at night when you crawl into bed. And stillness, I think, means different things to different people. Um, I know you used to journal a lot, and that was mm-hmm. probably some times of stillness. Mm-hmm. Um, as I've gotten older, stillness becomes more and more simple. 
I used to worry so much about, you know, am I praying right? Should I be using words? Or I'm not using words. Or maybe I should become a charismatic and speak in tongues, you know, and mm -hmm. I, I think I'm just not doing this right. And definitely in the last three or four years, I thought, you know, I'm me. And our marriage is different from other marriages. And I need my relationship with God just needs to be me. Mm -hmm. So to be still for me, um, that used to require a couple of hours a morning. Now it's like much, much, much shorter. <laughs> I'll tell you what happened this morning. Um, I was not feeling very still thinking about this podcast and, mm -hmm. and thinking, oh, you know, how should I pray for this podcast? What should I pray should happen in this podcast? How should I pray for Anne? And that was just so unsettling and distracting to me. And I started looking out the patio door in my study and um, we have a lot of green space behind with a lot of trees. And of course it's Colorado. And so it's gorgeous. The sky is blue, the clouds are white, the green, trees are green. Mm -hmm. And I sat there and I saw a hawk come swooping down from the sky and landing on the top of a tree. So I thought, oh, well, that's what I should pray about. And then it doesn't, it doesn't work. <laughs> and what came to mind was um, Isaiah 40. They that wait upon the Lord will mount up with wings as eagles, and they'll run and not be weary. They'll, no, they'll, they'll mount up with wings, they'll run and not be weary, and they'll walk and not faint. Mm -hmm. And first of all, I thought, well, that's sort of different seasons of life, I guess. And isn't it odd that I feel like I'm mounting up with wings as eagles and I was only walking when I was younger. <laughs> so that was sort of interesting. And then I thought I was a little disappointed that it was a hawk instead of an eagle. Mm -hmm. And while I was sitting there, an eagle <gasps> flew over the tree, a huge, beautiful, obvious eagle. Wow. And that, that, that image has stayed with me all day. And it's not... It, there wasn't anything I could predict or anything that I would say, oh, this has to happen to have it be a good time of stillness. It was more like the, the image and the verse in scripture said something to my soul. Mm -hmm. And it was really only three or four minutes. But I thought, okay, this is what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. Today, I can mount up with wings as eagle. Maybe, unless God chooses that I walk. Yeah. Um, so that it's it's a really different way of doing spirituality for me. <laughs> One of the things that I think about with stillness is that you're entering, uh, you can't make it happen. You can't make that connection happen. It's like a creative pursuit where you, right. If you it give is. the time, you know, whatever time you can give, you can give. And then you see if, is it, is it, are you going to see a hawk? Are you going to see an eagle? Is, you know, is God going to whisper something to your spirit? And if he doesn't, he still loves you. That's really important. Mm -hmm. yeah. You show up. Yeah. And if nothing really exciting happens, that's it. That's you're okay. Yeah. Although well, I, I, I do find the more I show up, the more I am able to notice. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I thought about that even with the eagle, that the eagle would have been there whether I was there or not. Right. And the verse in scripture would have been there, but it was because I actually was sitting in this chair out of habit. 
um, that God gave me the blood. So transformation is something that happens to us, but it doesn't happen without us. Mm. Um, Say that again. I so like that. transformation is something that happens to us, but it doesn't happen without us. So God doesn't force his way. And it doesn't happen because we plan it. I think there is a certain, I mean, we do talk about the spiritual disciplines. And I think it does take a little bit of discipline to develop the habit of sitting down for five minutes before the mm -hmm. day starts. I mean, I, years ago, I never would have said that. How could you, anything happen in five minutes? You know, but now, <laughs> now, now I, and I, and I'd like to spend more than that, but for a mother getting lunch for the kids for school and getting her husband off to work, you're probably lucky to find five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then I think when we show up, transformation happens, even if we don't know it. Mm -hmm. One of the things since I wrote the book that has really become front and center in my thinking is the difference between transactional spirituality and transformational spirituality. Hmm. And I think we learn transactional, we le definitely learn transactional ways of relating to people from childhood. You know, we learn to do what our parents want and then we get rewarded or we don't mm -hmm. get punished. Then our teachers, our employers. Um, so we come into our senior years, I would say biased toward transactional spirituality mm -hmm. that God will reward me if I do well and God yeah. will punish me if I mess up. Right. And then when you get older, you can't do as well. And you think you mess up more often, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, all of this is so unique to each individual. Um, so growing older has pushed me into appreciating transformational spirituality more. Um, and that, that's something that we receive. It's, it really is grace that we receive. So if I get to the end of the day and haven't really accomplished anything, I'm coming to believe that God is transforming me to be more like he wants me to be hmm. um, and not necessarily who I thought I should be when I need to impress people. Mm -hmm. Let me read a verse I like. Good. Okay. Um, this is from the message, which I like very much. Mm -hmm. And it's Galatians 2.20. And it happens to be the verse that tipped me. It was a tipping point for me when I became a Christian. So I read it in King James. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Mm -hmm. And that verse consistently has popped up in my life hmm. in these last, say, 65 years since I became a Christian. And then I read it in the message and listen to what Paul says. I've tried keeping rules and working my head off to please God and it didn't work. I have been crucified with Christ. My ego is no longer central. It is no longer important that I appear righteous before you or have your good opinion. I am no longer driven to impress God. Christ lives in me. I mean, talk about liminal space. 
Right. I'll, be, I'll, be, <laughs> I'll be living in that space for the rest of my life. But I, the purpose of our life is not to impress ourselves or other people or even God. Mm -hmm. It's that Christ lives in us. Yeah. I hope I'm not trying to impress God. I probably am, you know, at different points. Um, but I'm certainly trying to at least impress myself. I mean, I have a standard of what I think my life should that's be. That's important, yeah. That's right? a good insight. And, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm, you know, if I don't live up to that, then I feel very uncomfortable. Um, but that every day along the journey is an opportunity to do some of that, but then also to embrace the fact that it's not really about me. It's not really about what I do. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm loved by God. No matter what I accomplish. And it's, I think, I feel like maybe I need, well, I was going to say, maybe I need more reminders of that now and that you've internalized it now that along the journey, but maybe you still need a lot of reminders. Um, I'm kind of excited that I think what you're saying is true that uh -huh. it, if, and as we age faithfully, um, we do absorb some of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, so, okay. The most current place where I'm, I think I'm excited about it. Is, <laughs> Um, my book, Aging Faithfully, was mm -hmm. printed overseas. So right now, we don't know for sure where it is. Oh, good grief. <laughs> <laughs> we, I do know there are cargo ships out off the shores of California. Mm -hmm. And I kind of laugh at myself. I don't compulsively feel like I should go to California and check this out. But <laughs> On some level, I probably would have wanted to do that years ago. Um, so we think that the book made it to New York, but it might not be ready to be launched on its scheduled launch date, November uh -huh. 9th. And you know what? If it isn't, it isn't. I mean, the book was, I think, given to me to write, and I... Mm -hmm. I really do want it to be in the hands of people who are looking for a book like that. But if it is on one of those cargo ships, that's God's problem and not mine. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of surprised that I'm not very anxious about it. Um, but I think it makes, it makes sense. And, you know, and you were even talking earlier about the calm that you feel when there's chaos around you sometimes maybe not always um but i see that in you i mean it's one of the things that's always attracted me to you is you know i especially when i was you know 23 and we were meeting and i would come in with blah, 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 all these things are happening and you would sit there and you would remind me that god loved me and you know and I think I see that, you know, I see, I've always seen that in you. And I hear you saying that it's growing more. And I think I feel 
like it's growing in me oh, too. That's exciting. Yeah, I that's mean, yeah. much more than when I was in my twenties. And now I see in, you know, my daughters, they come home with so much, you know, drama and stories and I can listen to them and I can empathize and say, oh my goodness, how complicated that was and how uncomfortable, but it's going to be okay. And we say in our family, it's perfectly normal to have all these feelings. <laughs> See, that that is part of, if I can put it this way, the fruit of the discipline of irresponsibility. Hmm. Because if you were responsible, if you felt responsible to solve their problems, they would hate it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It would not work. <laughs> so, it wouldn't work anyway. Um, and I think for you to come to a place of saying, I'm responsible for some things, but I'm not responsible for everything, mm-hmm. gives you a peacefulness that helps you listen to them. And when we, when we, and actually, okay, this is a little bit of a leap, but you were mentioning something about wanting to explore how to help people how to companion people who are older. Yeah. And the same thing would be true. Yeah. I mean, the most offensive thing is to say um, to someone who's in their own home and doesn't want to move and is all stressed out about it. Well, have you considered going into a nursing home? Right. Right. This just (laughs) isn't going to work. But to listen to someone is to love them and love heals. So as you're listening to your daughter's, you are helping heal some of the little rough spots in their life because they're teenagers. Mm-hmm. And you can do that as a mother, and I can do that in a different way as a grandma. Yeah. It's to me, it seems so full of the love of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I was um I was just listening to an interview with a person whose name I can't pronounce, Dr. Harold, somebody I can link to this interview, (laughs) but he wrote a book um, about, uh, I think about challenges in parenting. And he talks about um, parents acting as scaffolding for their children. And I think it applies here because, you know, if I were just to abandon that's not you know that's not that's not loving but to be some scaffolding to help you know children to help you know my mom kind of make sense of what's going on then I can create enough space where God can still do his work but the scaffolding idea I feel like connects with me it's just enough structure but not trying to solve all the problems. I picture when you say scaffolding, I picture scaffolding outside of building that is either, it's probably being built. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's all the scaffolding, but you're not in the building. You're not the building. Right. You're just the scaffolding. Yeah. You're just holding it up. Um, And that's, I mean, that's also the essence of spiritual direction. Um, And as you say, parenting and, being a child of an older person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Well, and I've been thinking, I've actually had to have some very stern talks with God when, especially when we were first sending the girls to school. Um, 
because I, I just, it just felt, I mean, I was not about to step in and try to solve everything. Cause I know I'm not supposed to do that. And I'm a very responsible mother. And so I'm not going to do that <laughs> helicopter parent thing that people talk about, but I've had to say, Jesus, I expect you to take care of them. <laughs> because it's it's so hard to to trust that god loves them even more than i do and that even if they have a teacher who does not seem to appreciate their amazing gifts in the way that i appreciate them or um even if they're in situations that are complicated with friends that you know that he is there with them and it seems like you know you have that too I mean, maybe you're not speaking to God sternly about this. Oh, I do. <laughs> to be careful of my language. <laughs> well, I feel like he can take it. <laughs> right. Which I appreciate. But even, you know, with your books that are perhaps on a cargo ship, you know, that we have to trust that he cares about that even more than you do. The, the words that, <clears throat> or the term that, I keep going back to about that is holy detachment. Hmm. Um, it's easier to be have experienced holy detachment about my books than it, it would would have been about my children whose teachers yeah. didn't love them as much as I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but it holy detachment to me is a way of describing how I would like to be trusting God. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes people use the word holy indifference. And I think, holy cow, I can't be indifferent. (laughs) So I like the word holy detachment where I can say, um, I feel deeply about this, but I don't need to be enmeshed in those feelings. Mm -hmm. I can hold them loosely. Um, And that makes a, well, that's had a huge impact on my prayer life that I don't make a lot of suggestions to God now. Partly because he already knows what my suggestions would be, but also because his ideas about this are better than mine. Mm-hmm. So then that kind of take in my better moments takes me to a holy detachment. Um, I like that holy detachment. And it makes me think, um, and I don't think I wrote this question down, but I think I have seen you practice holy detachment as your body changes with aging right can you tell me about that because I can tell that I don't I mean I think it's fine that I don't have that right now and that you know I have some very strict rules with myself about you know exercise and nutrition (laughs) and things like that you know but because I and I think that's appropriate, but I also can see, um, I think it's really hard for my mom to experience her body as an 85 year old person. I think it's, it's kind of hard for her to accept that. So can you, can you tell us about how you've done that? Well, one of the things I mentioned in my book, which makes me, it's humbling to realize that I haven't really accomplished that yet <laughs> accepting my body uh, before the pandemic I was going regularly to a small gym and I was on the exercise bike mm-hmm. um, right behind someone on a treadmill and 
at that time I was 75 and I'm pretty sure she probably was barely 25. And she's just all cute with his cute little shorts on and skinny little body going away on this treadmill. And I'm on my exercise bike and I'm thinking, she doesn't have any right to have a body looking like that. And then my next thought is, I wonder what's wrong with me. I should have a body like that. So <laughs> I, I don't think this is a war we're going to win easily. Right. <laughs> um, and part of it is, I mean, one of the questions that you sent me was sort of like what people think about getting older. And the first mm -hmm. thing I thought it was what our culture thinks. Mm -hmm. And I, I, our culture doesn't think getting older is a good idea. Um, I mean, there are some cultures like Native American and Asian yeah. cultures where they honor elderly yeah. people. And partly I'm thinking of that, but also a lot of it is appearance. Hmm. And it gets back to what you're saying, body image. Yeah. And people, I mean, the way you grow, the way you grow, the way you age well is to look younger. And mm -hmm. uh, right. that's just not true. So then I, a lot of the, my friends, I could tell who were, little younger than me, but still in the aging bracket. And they resisted that view of aging. I mean, they didn't want to think, well, I have to get a facelift or whatever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they wanted to, they wanted to age well by making this an important part of their spiritual journey. Um, and I think our body image and our body frailty um, fights against us in that. And but that's probably why I wanted to write the book. I mean, yeah. what happens to us spiritually is absolutely gold in a gold mind. Mm. I mean, it's there are so many wonderful inv invitations. And I mean, I think of the first beatitude and Jesus said, blessed are you when you've lost it all, because then you will find the kingdom of God. Mm. And I'm really just learning about that, but it really is true. Um, I, I wouldn't trade my old age now for that cute little skinny girl on the treadmill. <laughs> for anything. <laughs> but I would love to meet with her. <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, and I think, I mean, I hear this in your book, you know, reading it, um, I've read a few books about aging and one of the things I really like about your book is that you're not saying, well, aging is not, you don't really change that much. And so yeah. it's going to be fine. Right. You say there, there are significant changes, yeah. but that all can be woven into the fabric of a rich spiritual life. Yeah you know, with gifts that you can't have earlier in your life. And it makes it all real and appealing. I, I want it to sound appealing in my book because it really mm -hmm. is, but I want to be authentic about the difficulty. Yeah. Um, and I mean, one, I mean, it, it's always humbling. It's kind of like every day is humbling because like, yeah. well, I did okay yesterday but today's a new day and I've never been old before today. Um, and one of the things that's humbling to me is I don't have very much gray hair 
So I'm really proud that I don't look as old as I am. You no, look really fabulous. Don't. But <laughs> <laughs> this summer, I got hearing aids. Mm, and mm-hmm. that I had no idea how hard that would be for me. Huh. They don't like show. Emotionally. So, yeah, they, they don't yeah. show. So, but they, and now when I have these nice little headphones on, they don't show at right. all. But they really don't show. <laughs> um, but I just thought, this is so important embarrassing to need hearing aids Mm -hmm. and I didn't really want them because I could hear okay but other people were telling me I couldn't hear okay so Mm -hmm. I had to do something that I didn't choose um and I'm still you know still a little annoyed by them um, and a little embarrassed by them but now I've told the world that I have hearing aids so I guess (laughs) but it's so relatable that for to hear your journey of not wanting them and feeling embarrassed, but trying them out and integrating that into your, into your life and into your, you know, what has Jesus been saying anything to you about hearing aids? Well, when I was saying, I was thinking, okay, hearing aids have not become a spiritual image for me. I'm sure there's an image in there, but I (laughs) I mostly just think, well, this, it's embracing the reality that includes humility. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't make, I really can't make myself humble. Mm-hmm. Um, but I assume that having to get hearing aids is part of a transformational process for me. That some, well, I mean, for one thing, I'm finding out that it's not all that bad. Um, Good. Other people don't even notice them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, but mostly, it's, you know, I can, I can do this. Um, mm-hmm. But it is, it is humbling. And maybe if we have another podcast in another year, I can tell you what the invitation from God was to me in this. But yeah. I'm, I'm still looking for it in the mail. <laughs> looking for it in the mail. That's funny. Um, I don't know. I feel like maybe, maybe this is a good place. Do you feel like, are there more things that you wanted to mention? Well, most of the things I think we've touched on, but there is one thing that you know, I just have to say today, this is something that's yeah. been on my mind and it does feel like one of the good parts about getting older uh-huh. and something that a younger person can start to do more of. Uh-huh. Notice, I think we're invited to notice how God is changing us inside. And that is amazing. I mean, I, I've been very taken recently with the account of Peter on the roof when he had the vision or the dream. Yeah. And in the dream, he was supposed to eat unclean meat. Mm-hmm. And so he had the dream three times. And he finally said to God, Oh, God, I have never done that. Right. <laughs> and I think of that with aging. I mean, there are things. Well, for instance, I have never been an irresponsible person. That would be right. one of them. Um, but um, I've never, I've never read the Bible this way, one verse at a time. I mean, I can't multitask anywhere, let alone in the Bible. Huh. I mean, today my verse was "Pay the monarch with wings as eagles," mm-hmm. and that's it. I didn't have to look it up in the context or read my commentaries or hear a sermon on it. It was just the Holy Spirit whispering through one verse. And there's a part of me that says, "Ooh, that's cheating." You're supposed to have an inductive Bible study on Isaiah 40. <laughs> and those, and I can do one verse at a time because I did have a lot of inductive sure. Bible studies. So 
again, it's not, this is, this is good and this is bad. It's more like an invitation to real freedom mm-hmm. that I don't need to do more than I have energy to do in a day. It's okay if I can't multitask. It's okay if I just read one verse at a time. It's okay if I don't make suggestions to God. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's huge. That, I have a little happy dance inside of me thinking about yeah. that. <laughs> Well, and I do, I hear a lot of freedom in you that even, even as it sounds like you feel that some of your options are becoming more limited due to, you know, energy levels and, uh, different, different aspects of this season of life, but that you are free to enjoy the things that you enjoy and to rest when you are called to rest and to bear fruit in your relationships when that comes about and you're noticing it all and um, free from that sense of having to push to get it all done. And that sounds really and I, and I, I want to I want to express that to someone like you. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have a lot of years to practice a lot mm-hmm. of years to experience I mean getting older is it really is one day at a time I mean for some people because of <clears throat> disease or something like that it yeah. happens more quickly um, but so far it's been a slow experience for me but also a surprising experience and so I want to be in your great cloud of witnesses and say mm-hmm. well you're going to make it you're yeah. going to do good <laughs> I hear that. And it's, it is encouraging. That's good. Thank you. Well, as we wrap up, do you have a blessing or a benediction that you can offer to people like me who listen to the well and listen to our podcast, all shall be well, and might be living busier lives right now? I do. (laughs) (laughs) It's a familiar blessing. Let me just read Psalm 23. Mm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's fun to be with you. (laughs) It's so fun to be with you. Maybe it is just me, but 
I think Alice makes the prospect of aging sound a lot less scary and a lot more fun than I expected. I know that I am going to keep returning to Alice's book as the years tick by, and I'm really grateful that she has provided this resource as a companion for all of us. And I'm also so grateful to you for being with us during this podcast. All Shall Be Well is hosted by me, Anne Boyd, and is a production of InterVarsity's Women in the Academy and Professions. We acknowledge that the opinions of our guests may not necessarily represent the ministry doctrine or policies of InterVarsity. You can find more information about our podcast and the other cool things we are doing at thewell.intervarsity.org. Our work is funded solely through the donations of our listeners and supporters, so if you enjoyed this podcast, you might consider joining our support team by donating even 5 or $10 per month. You can find out how to do this at give2iv.org slash thewell or through our donation link at the well. And as we close, let me read a little excerpt from Alice's book. Through the discipline of irresponsibility, I discovered the joy of love. It was as though God has prepared loving things for me to do, and I did them better after spending time on the sofa.